0: Time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Mr.
1: Gorbachev teared down this
0: the American people I think is good people. They are they have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies.
1: Welcome back to the Cold. War One Ninety Two Korea Part Two Episode Three Dot Captain Starlog Ten Four
0: Three Nine
1: Slash One Seven Four Six Yes Captain On Our Last girl, I slept Mission
0: Green Girl Um Got Green All Over Me Now All Over My Junk My Junk Is Green Help Me Help Me Doctor Bones Anyway I can edit she, all
1: greened she Greened
0: Me She Greened I greened her pretty good, but she greened me back. Yeah. yeah. Anyway,
1: sorry. in our last episode, we talked a lot about Douglas MacArthur. Um, what a what a narcissist he was! Complex. But apparently, narcissist, brilliant, yeah. uh, infuriating, um, and thought of himself as a god amongst men to whom the rules didn't apply, it's and believed sure. that if he was put in command, he had complete and total command. Yeah. And he also believed that his mission was to wipe out yes. the communists off the face yeah. of the earth and, yeah. you know, uh, uh, yeah. build America's global dom- dominance. That was, was that's gonna, what he lived his life trying to do, yeah. is establish yeah. American dominance over the globe.
0: He was going to Palpatine them, I think is basically what you're saying. He was going to Palpatine them, yeah. And um, <laughs> Palpatined uh, and, all over them. <laughs> and last, the last show ended with him getting back on his plane, telling his 14 members of, of his staff to stay the behind and, and buck up the Koreans. And on his way back on that plane, he immediately starts writing up his report because he's got to tell the Pentagon and Truman his, his what he's found. Because like you said on the last episode, no one knows what the hell is going on. So he's going to write up a report. This is what's going on. This is what we need to do. But he starts writing that the moment he gets on the plane.
1: And his recommendation to Washington is they need to throw troops at the situation immediately, as many and as quickly as possible. Well, whatever troops they can get (laughs) their hands on, which, as it turns out, aren't many. Right. Because, as we've talked about, Truman has spent the last few years dismantling the armed forces.
0: Defunding, yes. Defunding,
1: dismantling...
0: Yeah. Uh, now Demoting. they
1: need to do a complete 180 and start yeah. ramping up the military again. What? And, yes, yeah. the, his his army, the cap, the Japanese uh, occupation army, is right. going to be the first and the easiest to get there. Unfortunately, as he admitted, <laughs> they weren't really ready for yeah. immediate combat, yeah. but there's no time. No time for training, no right. time for re-equipping. He wrote to Washington, unless provision is made for the full utilization of the Army-Navy air team in this shattered area, our mission will at best be needlessly costly in life, money, and prestige. At worst, it might even be doomed for failure.
0: Yes, but keep in mind that he's got a group of guys for the last five, four and a half years have been... Not really had anything to do. They they take a hot bath. They drink some sake. They get a massage. Get a little boom-boom on the side. I don't know. Not exactly a warrior's existence. So these guys are pretty soft, and they've gotten soft over the years. But like you said, there's no one else to hand. If you wait to train someone, the whole fucking war will be over with. I got to grab what guys I can and what little equipment I got because Truman's been cutting my fucking budget for the last five years, and I've got to do the best I can with what I got. And it ain't very good, but I know you're expecting a lot from me. So that's his situation. It's
1: basically your, the. it's going to be your epitaph, right? He did the best he, did he, did he
0: could with what he
1: had. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I want what Sulla had on his tombstone. Do you remember what that no was? No
1: better friend, no worst yes, enemy. exactly. Worst enemy.
0: Yes. Mm. So between that and something about what you just said, I'll mix those together. But anyway, I want something like that.
1: Uh, And now, and and let's, as I said in the last episode, this isn't just about defeating the North or pushing the North out of the South. You go. He wants to crush the North. He wants to destroy the North. He wants to obliterate, wipe out, wipe off the face of the earth, (laughs) Vestatio the North. What? He's a fan of Vestatio. It's not enough. Okay. It's not enough that my enemy should lose. No, it's not enough that I should win, but my enemy must lose.
0: Yes. The Somebody Starian, said to him,
1: right. General right. MacArthur, what is best in life? <laughs> he said, to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of their women.
0: I thought you were going to say he took off his army shirt and underneath there was a T-shirt that said Vistadio or bust. Uh, but no, that actually beats what I had. So, so,
1: Don't so, you start talking continue. about holding things to your bust again. That was <laughs> so, more than I can handle last time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. No, for him it is all-out war because, again, ordained by God, yada, yada, yada.
1: When his report arrived in Washington, 5 a.m., June 29th, immediately delivered to Truman. Mm-hmm. Now, Chiang Kai-shek, who was hiding out in Formosa, a.k.a. Taiwan, right. uh, he had already offered 33,000 of his men to That's fight great. in Korea. That's great. Uh, you would think, but <laughs> Truman, Truman wanted to accept the yeah. offer, but Dean Acheson and yeah. the chiefs of staff talked him out of it because they yeah. were scared to get China involved in Korea. Yeah. They didn't want to wave any red flags in front of the Chinese bull, whereas these <laughs> days America seems intent on waving flags, uh, red flags in China's face. Right. Um, at that point, they were trying, they'd were they already uh, lost, as you said, in the last episode. They had sort of tried to support mm-hmm. the Kuomintang and Chiang Kai-shek uh, in the Chinese Civil War. They'd it lost... Was. Uh, And they were scared of getting involved, getting you know, going toe to toe with China again, right? And that was then.
0: (laughs) Yeah, good point. Good point. You know, when I did, when I had,
1: yeah, when I did the bullshit filter with um, uh, Liam a few weeks ago, and like, you know, I always make the point when when Americans and in his case in Australia, when people say, "Oh, we should be scared of China," and and, I'm always like, "Well." how many countries has China invaded in the last 70 years? Uh, or how many right. countries have, has China interfered in the elections or overthrown the governments versus the United States? Uh, we and I've had a number of people
0: yeah.
1: say, well, uh, that's not a fair comparison because China didn't have the ability for the last 70 years to overthrow countries. They if not. they had, they would have. Well, i am like, fuck off. They sent 2 million men into Korea in 1950. 2 million. Yeah. Man, they sent yeah. in. The Don't enough. tell me China couldn't have done more in the last 70 years. When in 1950 they sent 2 million troops yeah into North Korea. China could have done whatever the fuck China wanted in the last 70 years yeah. in terms of invading countries in that region near them if they Absolutely. wanted to.
0: Absolutely. You know?
1: Well- there's there's this idea that a lot of Americans seem to have that China's been a backwards weak country for the last seven years. It couldn't right. do anything, yeah. which is complete bullshit. Anyway,
0: yeah. don't get it, me started. I don't know if you if you caught this, what Biden said to some of the other leaders of the G7. Remember we said... I can't remember which fucking show it was, a long time ago where China used to have everybody come in, run all, run wild, take their opium, do whatever they want. You know, China learned from that. China learned, one, we have to be strong so people can't do, do this to us anymore. But two, here's the other part, and I don't think China gets credit for this enough. They're like, that was so horrible what happened to us. We're not going to do it to other people. Now, what Biden just said to the other seven uh, G7 people is that, You need to watch out for China because they're not going in with their guns and their boots like America does. They're going in with their money and they're going in and they're supporting and they're propping up societies and they're helping governments. They're not judging governments. They're just helping the governments. Dictator, democracy, who the fuck cares? Because China wants to do business with them. China is doing things their way. And you're absolutely right. America goes in with our guns and our bombs and whatever. China is doing it a completely different way. And you can judge that all you want, but it's certainly not as... Disruptive as the wars that we've waged over the decades, so they should that's, get some credit for that.
1: But yeah. that's the what the fucking Marshall Plan was. I've talked about this. Many it's okay times when before. we do it. God, America, America's, Damn it. America's been buying the trying to buy the world's uh, right. loyalty since nineteen forty nine. Now China's yeah. just doing the same thing.
0: Yeah,
1: it's look, you, you know, you, you try and buy a country first. If you can't buy a country, this is uh, Confessions Clear. of an Economic Hitman stuff, Step right? Two. You, you try and buy them. If you can't buy them, you threaten them. And if that doesn't work, that's when you directly or indirectly gun, send gun, in the gun. military. Right. You know, right. military is always a last resort.
0: Hopefully we'll come to that. My Larry David. Hopefully we'll come to that. <laughs> so... Uh, no,
1: they said no to Chiang Kai-shek. Uh, yeah, Truman did you. approve Mac's request for troops to immediately go from Japan to Korea. Right. But of course, the Americans, as always, had no idea what they were getting themselves into here. Right. Um, MacArthur's chief of staff was a guy called Armand and one of his aides, a guy called Captain Fred Ladd, Mm -hmm. who uh, ended up becoming a very, very famous American soldier and advisor in Vietnam. By the way, not the same Fred Ladd who brought Astro Boy and Kimber the White Lion to TV in the 60s and 70s.
0: Now I'm not impressed.
1: I I read Fred Ladd. I was like, Astro Boy Fred Ladd. No, not Astro Boy Fred Ladd. (laughs) Different Fred Ladd, sadly. Looking back on Korea. Yeah. Many years later, Ladd believed that, uh, you know, the, the, the disaster that the Korean War was for America uh, all came down to the fact that they didn't have any fucking idea who, the, who yeah. they were fighting, why they were fighting them. He said, all those officers, those generals, they really thought that they were going to go over there and stop the gooks, just the same as in Vietnam. Right. Just who the gooks were, they didn't know and didn't want to know. You could have asked any American senior officer in Korea, who commands the Korean 42nd Division, ROK or communist, and what's his background? He wouldn't have known what you were talking about. A right. gook is a gook. But if the Germans had been the enemy, he'd have known.
0: Right. So we're dealing with basically racism here on a, on a system. S- System-wide scale? Is that what I'm trying to say? Basically, they're not white. Systemic. Systemic, scale. thank you. Yeah. Basically, they're not white, so I'm not going to take the time to learn them, think of them as equals. Because, yeah, if you have an opponent, you get in their head, you try to anticipate their moves, you learn what they... Yeah, all that good stuff. But they're not quite as human as I am. They're just gooks. They're just... They're these people. They're Asians or whatever. Just, just go in there and kill them all, right? That's what you want me to do. I don't need to respect them or learn anything about them. Just go in there kill them all. It's going to be easy. Yeah, Jeez.
1: Uh I think we talked about this in one of our Vietnam episodes, but uh, the term "gook." The etymology of it is um, right. still not really well understood, but it may have been slang for a cheap
0: prostitute, an Asian oh. cheap prostitute. Is there, is there any other kind? I don't. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Uh, so the Americans really didn't know what was going no. on. They didn't They didn't even know where Korea was. Uh, probably still don't, most Americans, if you ask them to point I'm, out Korea on a map.
0: That's what I meant to say. I think it was less than 10%. Look for the lumpy phallus. There we go. Yeah, ho, oh, right there in between your legs. Um, I think less than 10% of americans at the time in 1950 could tell you where korea was and that was only because of world war ii uh and and macarthur so no fucking idea what's going on and like you just said the officers and the men who are going to be doing the fighting and the first ones there are the 24th division from japan no fucking idea of the situation what they're going to do how they're going to do it it doesn't matter we're white they're not god's on our side we're going to win we got this boys that was the attitude
1: British Cabinet met on 27th of June and approved their own involvement in Korea. Uh, Clement Attlee and the Labor Party uh, a few months earlier had just Mm -hmm. been re-elected, but very narrow margins. Ah. Um, And, of course, the UK, like all of Europe, was still economically fucked after World War II. Versus the USA that was swimming in oh, pools of golden coins like Scrooge
0: McDuck. Yeah. Well, we have all of Britain's money, so thank you very yeah, much. the whole
1: world's money. Yeah, that's yeah. true.
0: That's actually true. Good so, times.
1: Very different scenario here for the US and the UK getting involved in another war. The US could afford it. Yeah. The, the UK really could not. Now- Many British uh, politicians, particularly Labor politicians, the Labor was in power, were angry about their treatment by the Americans after the war. Of course, as we know, because we've talked about it in previous episodes, Mm -hmm. um, the U.S. were deliberately dismantling the British Empire, the British trading bloc. uh, The U.S. dollar replaced the sterling as the global default reserve currency. Right. Um, we had Bretton Woods, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, So America had been forcing the British Empire uh, to dismantle itself. So a lot right. of the British elite are going to be upset about this because they believed their empire, just as the Americans believed that they were destined by God to rule right. the world. The British had believed that for centuries. Right. Yes. Uh, but on top of that, uh, they were forced to borrow money from the Americans at high interest rates mm. to rebuild their country. Yes. And they were pissed about that. They were like, hold on, we fought the Nazis. Yeah. We we got the shit bombed out of us by the Nazis. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. You could at least help a brother out here. Exactly. Yeah, white power. Uh, America's like, ah, fuck you. Why yeah. should we? Why yeah. should we help you?
0: I see your so white the, power, and I raise you green power. Give me your money. Go ahead.
1: And you know, Britain had built this welfare state. Uh, it was like the most uh, advanced socialist country in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were funding it with money being borrowed from the world's leading uh, capitalist state at usurious interest rates. Is that a good the business war, the Go war ahead. had cost Britain 7 billion pounds which was a quarter of her national wealth. Right. And they needed at least 1.1 £1. 1 billion pounds a year of imports to sustain their standards of consumption that they right. built up during the Way war. Of life. Sure. But their exports were only 400 million pounds. So they're selling 400 million, bringing in 1.1 billion. So the balance of trade was, uh, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. Right. The only possible way of bridging that gap was through uh, American loans. The Americans offered them 3.75 billion pounds mm-hmm. at with a two percent interest rate. Right. The uh, Labour left, the left of the Labour Party, voted to reject the loan. Said it was disgraceful that their ally should be charging them a suri- who was richer than fucking Croesus <laughs> should be charging them interest yeah. when they took you know the like from the allies perspective. I mean Russia and, and the UK took the brunt of uh, the Nazis attacks. Yes, yes. And America was like, Yeah, what are you gonna <laughs> do? You want the money? You take the money. You don't want the money, you don't take the money. Do you know
0: do you know? So the they golden took rule? Yeah. Tell me the golden yeah.
1: rule. He who has the gold
0: makes the rules. <laughs> so fucking pony up. Yeah,
1: that's what Tony Coniston reminds me every
0: day. <laughs> right. So, but good old Britain is going to be by, it, f- despite everything you just said. Good old blighty is still our ally, and they're going to help us because Truman, after he told MacArthur to uh, yeah 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 use the troops in Japan, uh, Truman puts out a statement something like, "We're going to." blockade the entire peninsula. We're going to bring our troops in. We're going to kick ass. And so when the British hear that, they're like, well, here's something we can do. It's more of a gesture than actual help, but we need to keep you on our good side. So here's our Far East fleet. You can help use that to blockade the entire Korean peninsula. So as far as gestures go, Britain was on our side. Thank you very much.
1: Britain was kind of like you turning up to one of these shows. It's right. like, look. Up here. Yeah, I'm showing up. Like I don't have much to give. I don't have much to bring. Intellectually but, or
0: sexually. Right.
1: You know, yeah. I'm providing you with moral support. That's basically what yeah. it is, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. I don't see where the problem... Anyway.
1: <laughs> now, unfortunately, they did take this loan, getting back to the economics of Britain at the time. Yes, sorry. They did take a loan, but... Unfortunately, it's a bit like a, a broke, unemployed person who gets an unexpected tax return.
0: Right.
1: They thought they could just, oh, well, I can, I've got money. Uh-oh. I can live like an old no. colonial power forever. Oh, shit. In 1946, Britain was still spending 1.736 billion pounds a year, one-fifth of her GNP, on her global military force. No way. There were still one and a half million men and women in the military and the supply industries for the military scattered around the world. Right. By 1948, uh, their budget had dropped to £700 million. Mm -hmm. But then it began to rise again. 1949 went up to 780 1950, it was back up to £1.112 billion. They were borrowing money from the US and then using it to try and rebuild yeah. their uh, their military. Um, you know, they'd lost India and Burma by this stage, but right. they still controlled large swathes of Africa, the Middle East, they're in Palestine, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and Clement Attlee was trying to build their own atomic bomb because he was mm. still worried, as Churchill had been, yeah. That America could cut them out of the deal yeah. at any yeah. time, remember? Yeah. They were, they were, America was like, ah, well, maybe, just, maybe, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll let you have a bomb, maybe we won't let you have a bomb. I'll get, I'll get back to you, yeah. 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 Not feeling it, <laughs> not feeling it. What have you done for me lately? <laughs> <laughs> um, right, uh, so yeah, so they were, they were. Spending way too much money, uh, instead of rebuilding their Mm -hmm. shattered country and their shattered economy, they're spending money on getting roped in to bullshit wars like in Korea and having to uh, uh, spend that, uh, spend the money on that. And of course, they're still taking the lead from Churchill, who's the leader of the opposition at this stage still. In terms of overreacting to and overestimating the threat of the Soviet Union and communism in general, right. they're still treating it like it's this uh, existential threat to Any civilization, second. Second. as opposed to a group of people that have been oppressed for what? a long time, trying uh, by by you know monarchs and czars and French and colonialists and capitalists. capitalists. trying to take back control of their own countries. They're positioning it as an existential threat to the human race. Right. Now, this is interesting. Um, From the first cabinet discussion about Korea on the 27th of June, the British were unhappy about Mm
0: -hmm.
1: America's positioning, public positioning of the North's attack... Uh, to what they called centrally directed communist imperialism, projecting it as the Soviet Union's uh, step one of a global takeover. According to the cabinet minutes of this meeting, it had not been proved that in carrying out this aggression on South Korea, the North Koreans had been acting on instructions from Moscow, and -hmm. it was suggested that there might have been advantage in seeking to isolate this incident and to deal with it as an act of aggression committed by the North Koreans on their own initiative.
0: Mm.
1: Now, the idea is that, A, there's no evidence, obviously, so we've got the Americans saying that it's being driven by the Soviets, and the British, right. their own in cabinet. we go like, there's no evidence to don't support that. Yeah. And, in fact, yeah. if we don't go with that narrative, it may give Stalin an opportunity to pull out of this uh, without oh. any loss of face. right. Uh and you know, probably won't if 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 we can keep China and the Soviet Union out of this, it might be over a lot faster. Right. But if we go out there and blame them for it and it becomes a big thing, then they'll have to continue to support the north. Um so they were they were trying to talk the Americans out of positioning it that way, but of course, yeah, they they they, they failed. But You know, I think that there was a big difference here in a couple of ways. Mm -hmm. I think the Americans uh, were more uh, committed at this juncture to this ideology of, uh, you know, religious jihad, of Christianity against the atheists. And uh, you know that the communists were going to try and take over the world, and we needed yeah. to stop them. And freedom, 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 etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The British Certainly were a l- little yeah. bit more uh, cautious about jumping on board that narrative at this juncture. But secondly, I think it also has probably a lot to do with the fact that the British understood Asia right a lot better
0: they than were lot-
1: yeah. Well, that's it, right? Um, yeah. th- I mean, they. As you you mentioned um, earlier, you know, the the British had um, pretty much taken over China, large swathes of Asia. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, America had run the Philippines for 50 years as well, 45, 50 years. But um, the the British, I think, had a much better understanding, uh, partly because they've got a much longer track record of uh, diplomacy, international diplomacy, geopolitics. Better understanding of how that works and, and espionage mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. We know that they were far more advanced than the CIA was with that sort of right. stuff. Uh, well, the CIA didn't exist at this stage, but the OSS, America, I guess, in general, right. And uh, and also they they understood the 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 Asian mindset a lot better, mm-hmm. and possibly understood the Soviets a lot better as well. I think at this juncture, yeah. um, they uh, the. Cabinet minutes uh, show that the British felt that the communist Chinese were a fact of life. Uh, Their Washington ambassador, Oliver Frank, said, uh, not a good fact of life, but a fact (laughs) of life. (laughs) Right?
0: Right. And that's realistic. Realistic. Yeah. Yeah. They're there.
1: Whereas the Americans were still pissed off about their loss, quote unquote, of China Right, and then as now, believe that the Chinese communists were evil and sinister, yeah. and uh, were you know fucking uh, some sort of Bond level supervillain right. uh, in With their evil lair, plotting <laughs> the destruction of the world. It's this,
0: yeah. You pet my person. It's this. It's
1: it's this kind of over Extreme? the top, overblown yeah. dra- nice. dramatization hollywood-esque depiction of xi jinping these days now yeah. back then as like these evil geniuses that are plotting the destruction of the west or of Ten mankind steps it's, it's, ahead
0: it's, yeah we're barely just hanging so, on we, it's so I, ridiculous but i don't know i don't know why uh, i wish i knew why, but that's just the way america thinks that's the way we operate we we we're on one hand, we're very arrogant. We say we're the best country. We have the best military. Everything about us is the best. And at the same time, we have to watch either the Russians or the Chinese because they're super brilliant and super evil, and they're plotting our destruction. And we don't stand a chance unless we're vigilant. I mean, which one is it? But but that's that's kind of the American mindset. And, and communism. Were, yeah. And Communism
1: is a communism's a complete failure as an economic yes. system or as a political yes. system but at the same time China's kicking our ass economically and uh, it's a huge threat don't, we have yeah, to fight them in the trade to, war
0: don't try to understand it just just embrace everything all the conflicting things that I tell you and if you remember they're evil
1: communists the, but they're they kicking our ass economically well, well, well they're not really communists they're really <laughs> right. but they are capitalists evil. they are But you evil. said they're evil well that's cuz they're communists
0: <laughs> that's because they're beating us anybody who beats <laughs> us is definitely evil and they've got to be taken out no i think it was a max hastings books a book that said um The British said, you know what, I've been talking to my American colleagues, and if there is a war... I think the South Koreans are going to get their ass handed to them, but the Americans think they're going to actually be able to do a pretty good job. So again, I think you're right. I think the British had a much more realistic grasp of the situation on the ground because they'd been in the, in Asia for hundreds of years. And, you know, some of them end up marrying and living there. And then you've got experts and expats and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think they had a better idea of what was going on. And what you said a couple of minutes ago, the Americans have no clue about, I don't know anything about North Korea. All I know is they're gooks and I'm going to go there and kick their ass and wipe them out, not exactly the basis for a a victorious uh, war against someone you know nothing about, but it doesn't matter, that's what we're going to do. And we've got MacArthur, it's all going to be okay.
1: Yeah, they should have paid attention to another gook, Um, Sun (laughs) Tzu, the art of war. Exactly. What did he say about if you know your enemy, if you know yourself but not your enemy, you'll lose, and if you you know your enemy but but not yourself, you'll lose.
0: If you know you your know enemy and your very enemy. well, you'll win every time. If you only partially know your enemy, you'll win half the time. If you don't know your enemy, you will lose every single time. And America is about mm. to go, yeah, hold my beer. Watch this. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And what, we won't only do it in Korea. Then we'll do it in Vietnam, just to prove. <laughs> for,
0: for years. For yeah. years. Oh, and, and if I could just come back to Britain for a real second, then I'll, then I'll give it back to you. So Britain says... Um, And again, you're right, they're making these decisions about beefing up their army versus beefing up their... Infrastructure, But anyway, they're going to donate to the cause, their Far East fleet. And eventually, I think it's like a brigade-sized force of British troops come. So again, the gestures there. Truman loves this. Oh, it's an international coalition of the willing. Have you ever heard of that before? We're going to all band together and we're all going to take on communism. We just got to be careful not to piss off, piss off the Russians and the Chinese.
1: Uh, the Ministry of Defense. Uh, British Ministry of Defence sent a message to Air Marshal Lord Tedder, who was leading a British delegation in Washington, talking about their Far East fleet. We consider such demonstrations of solidarity are more important than the actual strength of the forces deployed, and we hope other members of the United Nations will quickly follow suit. Now, apparently uh, getting involved in this was surprisingly for a country that was completely fucking broke, uh, popular uh, yes. in Britain. The press was uh. positive about it. The public were positive about it. In the House of Commons, there was only a handful of the Labor left that protested Britain getting involved in Korea. Um, and the US then, as today, it was for them it was really important that they were able to position this not as a unilateral action by the United States, but they wanted to be seen right. as being the leader of an international force. Like when they invaded Iraq and Afghanistan mm-hmm. 20 years ago, It was they yeah. really wanted to get a coalition of partners just to give them yes. moral support so it wasn't just them doing it. Yeah. Um, and, you yeah. know, that's easier to do these days because they've had 70 years of... Uh, influencing elections and getting their friends installed in governments around the world to uh, support them. Yeah,
0: Hey, that shit works, baby. Yeah.
1: On the 30th of June, Britain's ambassador to the United Nations, Gladwin Jeb... Good name. ...cabled to the British Foreign Office, the Americans appear to be endeavouring to achieve, at the same time, two separate and probably irreconcilable objectives. In the first place, the delegation here is much concerned to correct any impression that the American people are fighting a lone battle in the struggle, which is now going on between the two factions in Korea. It is very desirable, therefore, to make out that the United States is only one of a band of brothers who are all participating in the struggle, so far as their resources permit under the banner of the United Nations." On the Mm -hmm. other hand, some Americans, and more particularly, I believe, the State Department, are much concerned with the reactions on Capitol Hill to any suggestion that the American troops are being forced into battle at the behest of some outside body, and notably of the Security Council, and that once so engaged, they will not be under exclusively American command.
0: Jeez. Everybody's got their panties in a wad. Sorry, We don't want it to look like it's an American action. We
1: want it to look like however, it's an international action. However. At the same time, we don't <laughs> want to look like Americans are being told what to do by an international body. Especially so we don't Brits. want to be seen to, to be in control of this, but at the same time, right. it's important that we're seen to be in control of this. Is so if you could a- just get
0: both yeah. of those to work, so that would be great. Isn't, isn't that Somebody get Barry and Stan on the phone. <laughs> yes, and a bunch of cocaine. Isn't that a perfect example of America? I mean, we're, in some ways we're just, and there's a lot of wonderful things about America, but it's things like that. It's like, we're not alone, we're just with a coalition of the willing, but there better not be one fucking foreign general telling the lowest American private what to do. God damn it, because we're Americans and no one tells us what to do. Are you a coalition? Are you not? Are you working together? Are you not, you know, bringing your troops together? Because that's how you do it in the military. But we're just so fucking hypersensitive about being told what to do by other people. I don't know the whole thing. So, and, and Truman and the Pentagon and the State Department have to walk this uh, tightrope. Tight
1: I mean, it actually defines America very well, as much as Donald mm-hmm. Trump, I think, defines America. But this this whole idea of... Um, the United, the United um, disparate forces of America, like it's right. preaching freedom and democracy, and then overthrowing the governments of eighty-one countries at the same yes. time. It's the ability to present and and preach one thing whilst doing the complete opposite, yes, simultaneously and justifying both and getting away with it for a long time. Right, it's. <laughs> That's America, in my mind.
0: You said years ago, and I can't remember, but you said, if you can hold two opposing ideas... Uh, Opposing
1: ideas, yes. At at the same
0: time. That's what we do. For us, that's a fucking Tuesday. I mean... you would think we would, you would want us to be more united and looking out. But I mean, you've seen the news of the mass, the mass shootings are fucking back to where they were. It's insane. But um, it, but we just have this ability to just hold these two opposing thoughts or attitudes at the same time, and we just rock on. What and about the Republican?
1: Yeah. What yeah, about this Republican uh, candidate. I think he's in Florida. Who was recorded? Yes. Um, yes. About assassinating his opponent.
0: Look, I don't want to have to do it, but I'm, I know some Russian or Ukrainian, Ukrainian mafia. Yeah. If look, if I need, look, don't make me push the. Don't make me make a call. But if you don't step out of the race, I might have to make a call. I might have, you know.
1: So he's William fun. Braddock is the guy's yeah. name, oh, uh, God. running against another Republican candidate who's a yeah, trumpist. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, it's not yeah, like a Democrat. A woman.
1: He said. He said uh, on this recording, allegedly, that uh, if uh, they, when they get up close to the election, he's going to do a poll, and if this woman, his opponent, is leading the right. poll, he is going to have her assassinated by a Russian mob hit squad.
0: Now, if he had said, "It's so important for me, for America, really." Uh, that I get elected. If she gets elected, it's, she's going to run us right to... I mean, give me something as opposed to, look, I really want this bad because if you've seen the government jobs, pretty cushy, pay a lot, you get treated like a king, you ain't got to do shit, and you can just talk all you want. I want that job really bad. I'm willing to kill for it as opposed to saying, look, the country needs me right now. He is blatantly just saying, I really want this and I'm willing to kill. That's fucking stupid Anyway, back anyway, to Korea.
1: Sorry. Sorry, the British... Sorry. Chiefs of Staff uh, were fairly uh, prophetic on one issue. Right. According to the minutes of a meeting they had on the 28th of June, it might be suggested by the Americans that in the event of their participation being insufficient to restore the situation in Korea, an atom bomb should be dropped in oh, North Korea. Right. If the proposal should be made, ministers would wish to know the views of the Chiefs of Staff. There was general agreement from the military point of view that the dropping of an atomic bomb in North Korea would be unsound. The effects of such action would be worldwide and might, well, be very damaging. Moreover, it would probably provoke a global war. Obviously, MacArthur didn't get that memo.
0: (laughs) Now... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go on. Um, Not wearing a condom while having sex when you're not married is unsound. Uh, dropping a bomb (laughs) or talking about dropping a fucking atomic bomb because things so far or may not go your way. I don't know what the word is above, unsound, but that's what that is. That's all I'm saying.
1: Now, the British uh, didn't want to send ground troops, uh, and they had a, a pretty good reason for it. They were worried that Korea might be a diversion. But On one hand, they didn't believe there was any evidence that Moscow was involved in planning this. On the other hand, they thought, well, maybe they are using Korea as a diversion, and then they will attack somewhere closer to the UK. Now, the UK at the time uh, still had a major military force, as I said before. In July of 1950, the Royal Air Force still possessed 120 squadrons of aircraft, The Army deployed two infantry brigades and one airborne brigade in the United Kingdom, one infantry and one armoured division in Germany, together with seven armoured regiments, one artillery regiment and two infantry battalions. There was an understrength infantry division in the Middle East, plus three artillery and two armoured regiments, a Gurkha division, a British infantry brigade and a commando brigade in Malaya, an infantry division and in supporting armoured and artillery regiments in Hong Kong, an infantry brigade in Austria, two infantry battalions and an anti-tank regiment in Trieste. So they still had quite a sizable yeah. Yeah. military uh, scattered around their colonial empire.
0: Exactly, exactly. So that's where all their money's going, uh, dumbasses. But anyway.
1: Residual imperial responsibilities is how oh, one of the books... That- uh, <laughs> <laughs> the death throes of a right. fading empire. I mean, sure, a lot of these divisions would have been understrength and under-equipped. They hadn't really had a lot of money to throw at them for the last five years. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they were there. Yeah. And yeah. they were capable of going to Korea, but they were like, meh. No. We don't want to do that because something, something... Uh, this could
0: be a faint. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So no one knows what's going on. No one... But but MacArthur knows exactly what he wants to do. And he's in charge.
1: Now, Churchill at the time, as I said, was the leader of the opposition. And he was all for getting involved in fighting the commies, of course. Whoa. Iron Curtain speech, blah de blah de, blah oh. Oh. Now... At the time, there was this one Labor MP, Tom Dryberg, who wrote in his newspaper column that he was disgusted about the substantial number of backbench Tories who, true to their jungle philosophy, cannot help baying at the smell of blood in the air. Now, I found more about this uh, in a Guardian article from the 6th of July, 1950. It said... Mr. Churchill found the risks that he had mentioned exemplified in an article written by Mr. Tom Dryberg in Reynolds News. Churchill had been talking about the risks of the uh, anti-war left mm-hmm. trying to stop Britain getting involved. Right. Uh, uh, he found risks, he found an example of this in Dryberg's article headed Tories Bay for War, and containing, among other things, the statement that I just read out. Mr. Churchill castigated Mr. Dryberg as a scatterer of untruths. Amid Mm. vehement Tory cheers for this condemnation, Mr. Dryberg rose. He was not in the least abashed. He applied anything but a pacific touch. Indeed, he repeated that he considered what he had said to be a perfectly accurate account of the scene in the house last week. Not content with that, he added aggressively... I only wish the right honourable gentleman could have seen the article before the editor toned it down. <laughs> it must be recorded that there were some sympathetic Labour cheers for Mr Dryberg, but they were probably no more than an instinctive defensive reaction against an attack on a Labour member by Mr Churchill. Yeah. Gotta love a guy who sticks it to Churchill. Right. Oh, you didn't
0: like that? Yeah. Should have seen should've... it
1: before my editor toned it down, motherfucker. <laughs> you seen... You'll love it.
0: I'll get you a copy of the original, sir. I will have it. Now, Dryberg is an
1: interesting guy, by the way. British journalist, politician, um, high uh, Anglican churchman, and possible Soviet spy. Wow. um, Unproven. A member of the Communist Party of Great Britain for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. And. Openly gay, despite it being against the law at the time.
0: That's a full resume. Um,
1: Wrote his memoirs years later when he was out of um, uh, uh, politics and was uh, talking about all of the uh, sexy romps that he'd had. People were appalled. And back in 1933, he began a a newspaper column under the uh, name of William Hickey, which was a society column, pretty much invented the modern-day gossip column. <laughs> nice. Uh, wrote several books, including biographies of Lord Beaverbrook and Guy Burgess. Nice. At various times was, was friends with everyone from Alistair Crowley to the Cray Twins, the head of the uh, British mob. Mm-hmm. In November 1975, re- he retired from politics and was broke, was granted a life peerage. Oh. And in January 1976, was introduced to the House of Lords as Baron Bradwell. Hmm. Weird for a lifelong communist to be a Baron of the realm.
0: Ah, they give it to you. Take uh, it. Just take it.
1: And... It- uh, that year, he tabled a motion in the House of Lords calling on the government to consider the withdrawal of troops from Northern Ireland, Ooh. which obviously uh, was defeated, yes. and uh, died a few months later from a heart attack. So, Aww. so much for a life peerage; is like lasted five months. But um, <clears> really, like openly gay when it was illegal, yeah, communist, uh, stuck it, yeah, yeah. real lefty. Really, really Good interesting thing. guy. I tried to find uh like his books, but uh, they're all right. out of print and you're like two thousand dollars to get a fucking old hardcover version sure. or whatever. but i'd really like if anyone's got a copy of any of his books, uh, please let me know yeah,
0: cool. Um I just wanted to add real quick we're probably getting close to time I'm not really sure but so so Britain does come on with their gesture sized force their navy and their brigade uh I think just over a dozen other countries are going to send small troops of men ships planes whatever now don't get me wrong um I had read somewhere that Some Americans were excited to be fighting the communists. Some of the British were excited to be fighting the communists because finally they're doing something. But I think some of these other countries, these smaller countries, I couldn't really get a sense that they were enthusiastic about it. One, America speaks, you kind of jump when, when America says something. But it's not like they've got a lot to spare. So it is an international army but it is like 97 whatever percent american so that's what macarthur's got to deal with as he's going to try to turn this around because the northern troops are coming down the peninsula pell-mell they're kicking ass and he's got to deal with this
1: yeah and of course uh the the western countries in general back then i, I don't think there was i don't think countries just blindly supported america back then mm. like they do today right because America was still establishing themselves as the global uh, imperial yeah. power of the world in 1950. Yeah. But Macar- I think Plan. the western yeah. gov Yeah. I think the western governments at the time uh, were genuinely scared about uh communism uh, rising up in their own countries.
0: Right. But it-
1: as I said before because it would mean the end of capitalist privilege. Yeah for the wealthy elite in these countries if communism became popular. And if it becomes successful anywhere, then it can become successful here and everyone will go, hey, uh, how come they got rid of their capitalist pigs and we still have ours? Let's get rid of ours. Crush it. Got to crush it. Uh, The British government were actually worried uh, during this period too that the unions, particularly the docking unions led by communists, might sabotage oh, troop and munition movements right. like good old Aussie Harry Bridges, yes. yes, in the UK that they were worried about uh, during World War Two with old Harry Bridges, and they stoked the Western government stoked these fears at home. Even Clement Attlee uh, gave a speech about the need to stand alongside the Americans in the Far East. Mm. He said. The fire that has been started in distant Korea may burn down your own house.
0: Oh, how's that for fear tactics?
1: Like the communists might come and redistribute give wealth. Give you all, yeah, <laughs> redistribute
0: land, redistribute
1: wealth, resources. And, yeah, oh my God, yeah. they might take it off the rich people and
0: give it to the poor people. What would we do then? How many Bentleys does one family need? I ask you. Yeah, but that's really what's going on. Yeah.
1: But we know from Clement Attlee's story, we told early in uh, many, yeah. many moons ago, like he was, uh, uh, he came from nothing. He was a poor lefty mm-hmm. who worked his way up. Yeah. But even these guys uh, yeah. are still part of the system. Even the so called Absolutely. left Absolutely. are still part of the uh, elite mm-hmm. uh, system uh, in, in these countries.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: but he also gave a, a recruiting speech. Where he said, I would ask you all to be on your guard against the enemy within. There are those who would stop at nothing to injure our economy and our defense. Now, when he says defense, uh, they're not being attacked. Uh, They're going to go and invade another country who's done nothing to them. That's in the middle of a civil war.
0: That's one way to look at it.
1: But... uh, and any communists in a Western country who are trying to stop their country getting involved in a war right. are just trying to stop their country getting involved in a war. No, they're criminals. Uh, I don't
0: know how you can't see
1: yeah.
0: that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this real quick. I apologize. You started this whole tonight off with the draft, which is basically the state sacrificing its own people to protect itself. That's kind of what this is as well. Uh, you're a citizen of this country, but you're a communist. And if you stand up to us while we try to go help defeat these other guys who are looking to have their own way of life, you're suddenly now a traitor and we can kill you or put you in jail. Okay, that makes no sense. Anyway. We, we are going to force
1: you to do something you don't want to do. Right. Why? To protect democracy and freedom. You're
0: welcome. Yes, yes, (laughs) freedom-loving peoples. Uh, You're welcome. Yes, and or you'll spend the rest of your life in jail. Um, Yeah, yeah.
1: Democracy. the rest of your life. (laughs) A couple of years
0: at best. Yeah, democracy.
1: And lose your job and you know ruin your home and yeah all that kind of stuff. stuff.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. You won't be able to vote (laughs) because you've been to jail, so you lose your right to vote. Yeah, if you want. To be able to vote in in our country with free democracy, you better do the fucking thing we tell right. you to do.
0: Put a uniform on and uh, kill somebody.
1: If you want to keep that freedom that you don't have, <laughs> uh, you better...
0: It makes perfect sense. Sorry, I had I had something. <laughs> I had <laughs> something <laughs> for this. Barry, just... Stan, finish Bury, that sentence. Barry, Stan. Finish <laughs> that fucking how sentence. Did,
1: how did that go again? How did how did that hooker... Oh, sink? no, no, no. Wait, Sorry. We're not forcing you to go to war. It's a draft. And a draft is a nice thing on a hot summer's day.
0: Like a late draft. Who?
1: who doesn't like a draft on a hot (laughs) summer's day?
0: Love a draft. No one? Love it. That's what I'm talking about. Love the draft. Oh, you got caught up in the draft. Oh, it'll be fine. It'll be
1: fine. You don't hear many Western politicians saying, hey, listen, Communists are people too. They're citizens too. Their let's dreams. let's hear what they have to say. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 listen to their side of the story and Talk it and out, uh, bitch. yeah, weigh up the arguments yeah. and and have a discussion yeah. about the merits of uh, disparate socio economic uh, ways and means of cooperation or, between people. Or
0: we could just go in shooting. What do you say? What do you, yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I thought so. I thought so. Yeah, let's go. Boom, and that's what we did.
1: Well, after one week of war, Syngman Rhee's army could only account for about 54,000 of its men. That's bad. Uh, MacArthur wrote to Washington South Korean casualties, as an index to fighting, have not shown adequate resistance capabilities or the will to fight, and our best estimate is that complete collapse is imminent. Forty-four thousand right. of Sigmon Rees' roughly hundred thousand uh, troops had disappeared, yeah. never to be seen again. Right. In a week, yeah. Yeah. in one week, yeah. roughly fifty percent of his army disappeared, literally just vanished right. into the hills. Well,
0: you have to remember, uh, well, hell, you're the one that said a couple of weeks ago, one, re really is so dictatorial that every a lot of people hate him, so why would they fight for him? And two, people want their country you reunited. And three, maybe some of them were communists, so I'm not surprised that so many people weren't fighting, but now MacArthur's like, yeah, no, it's, it's up to us. We're going to have to have American troops in here kicking ass because clearly they can't or won't do it. That's my recommendation.
1: Well, that's all I have for today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll be back next time uh, on The Muppet Show.